please pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. I haven't watched the video. I can't bear to. But I have seen the images and I have heard the reports. An African-American man, George Floyd, suspected of forging a check, is pinned to the ground, his face in the cement as a police officer grinds his knee into his neck for eight minutes. He begs for air, he pleads for mercy, he cries for his mother, but his pleas are ignored. Eventually his limp body is flopped onto a stretcher and he's carried away. Not long before another African-American man, Ahmed Aubrey, was shot to death by two civilians while he was out for a jog because they believed he was a robber fleeing the scene of a crime. Both incidents, the murder of George Floyd and the murder of Ahmed Aubrey, have reignited racial tensions in our nation, which erupted into rioting in Minneapolis. And then, last night, all around the United States of America, uh, riots in my hometown of Philadelphia burned much of Center City to the ground, um, or maybe not to the ground, but significant destruction. Uh, Albany uh, saw uh, rocks thrown and tear grass, fires. All over the nation there has been unrest. And now, what, what to say about this? Well, I mean, I think from my point of view, it's, it's, it's clear to me that, that rioting and looting uh, don't really achieve much uh, socially. In fact, they're rather destructive socially and for a, 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 a conversation. Um, but I think it's important to remember the words of, of, of Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, who said this, I think America must see that riots do not develop out of thin air. Certain conditions continue to exist in our society which must be condemned as vigorously as we condemn riots. But in the final analysis, he says, a riot is the language of the unheard. As a nation, as a people, we continue to struggle with this lingering specter of racism. Although much progress has, has been made in the last century to advance the cause of equality and the, the legal rights of African Americans, there is still Still, a deeper, more systemic 
racism that has proven much harder to root out. This category of race continues to be one that divides us in profound ways. Now, racism is a grievous sin. It is an oppressive power that binds us all and from which we need to be delivered as, as a nation, as, as a people, as, as a world, as a church. Now, I mention this not only because it has dominated the news cycle uh, this week and has been on all of our hearts, but because this day, this day of all days, the Feast of Pentecost, is about the breaking down of walls that divide us and the achievement of a spiritual unity across difference. One of the chief characteristics of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is this crossing of boundaries and the overturning of cultural inequalities. On that fateful Pentecost morning, there were devout Jews from every nation gathered in Jerusalem. And when the Spirit descended with, with power, flaming tongues of fire appeared upon the heads of the disciples. And each, each person there from their several different nations began to hear the gospel proclaimed to them in their own language. A new people was brought into being by the proclamation of the gospel. One that, that transcended the barriers of nation and language. This, St. Peter says uh, in his sermon, the one that we read this morning from the book of Acts, was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Joel. That in the last days, God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. In other words, the spirit is given universally to all classes and kinds of people. It doesn't belong to a select group. So let's look at, at what the prophet Joel has to say. Um, he says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your sons and, and your daughters shall prophesy. This means that the gift of the Holy Spirit is for both male and female. In Christ, there is no uh, male or female. More significantly, it means that both men and women will be given the gift to speak and to declare the word of the Lord. God, God the Spirit, is no respecter of sex or gender, but gives his gifts to male and female equally. 
We, we've sometimes been slow to acknowledge or to accept this reality. And the church has too often not recognized or celebrated the gift and the calling of women. But here at Pentecost, the seeds of equality between the sexes are, are sown. He continues... Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Again, we see another boundary, a distinction, a social class dissolved, this time that of age. God's Spirit is given without distinction to both old and young alike. So St. Paul, for instance, would tell his young protege, Timothy, let no one despise you for your youth. Just because Timothy was young does not mean he, yeah, he could not be the instrument of the Spirit. Likewise, today we can sometimes discount the insights of the aged in favor of the vision and enthusiasm of the young. But God gives the Spirit to both. Again, the prophet says, even upon my slaves, both men and women, again, that equality of the sexes, in those days I will pour out my Spirit. God honors no division between slave and free. In other words, He gives His Spirit without reference to one's social status or wealth. Um, he gives it freely to those on the top and those on the bottom rung of society. Notice also that he says, my slaves, because no life can ultimately belong to another since all belong equally to God. The least in society, the slave, shall prophesy. They shall speak with the authority and power of God to their masters and to those in power. Those on the bottom of society will speak with words of prophecy to those in power at the top of society. So, do you see how completely radical and subversive this all is. This is the new order that was inaugurated on Pentecost when the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, descended. Out of the fractured, broken, divided pieces of humanity, God is forging a new humanity. A new humanity above the divisions above the separations of the old. This power was unleashed at Pentecost. It was like an explosion that sends ripples throughout history. Those gathered were given a demonstration and a foretaste of what was to come. But 
It didn't come whole and completed on that Pentecost day. Indeed, throughout the book of Acts, the church continues to live into who they are called to be in the spirit. They continue to struggle. They struggle with the old divisions, those old uh, social categories. The, for instance, that the Hellenistic Jews complained that, that favoritism was being shown to the Hebraic Jews early on. The church struggled to be a diverse community of many different peoples. The, the major struggle, however, would come later. Um, the church would wrestle mightily over the place of Gentiles among them. Now, in the minds of the Jews, there were two kinds of people in the world. There were the Jews, the chosen people of God, and there was everybody else. There was the Goyim, the nations, the Gentiles. They were God's holy and chosen people, and the Gentiles were unclean, at least in the estimation, in the popular understanding of many. Um, they, they, they tended to forget the fact that God chose them to be a blessing to these Goyim, to the nations. Now, even St. Peter, even St. Peter, even after he preaches this sermon about the, the Spirit coming upon all flesh, even after receiving God's vision of inclusion for the Gentiles, even after personally witnessing the Gentiles being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues, St. Peter continues to struggle and wrestle with his deeply embedded cultural assumptions. And not just him either, but the, the, the whole of the Jewish church. Why? Well, because these divisions, these distinctions, these prejudices were embedded deep down. They were, they were more than just an opinion. They were systemic. They were part of the world that they inhabited. And this kind of thing, it just, it doesn't change overnight. We sometimes think of the church during the time of the apostles as the golden age, when, when Christianity was pure and complete. And, and then since those days, since the, the, that, that perfect, pristine origin that everything uh, just gradually unraveled, right? That, that the purity of the church was, was there at the beginning. But th this isn't the case. It's not. It isn't the pure, primitive Christianity of the apostles that's our model. No. No, it is the church as it has yet to appear. The eschatological church, 
or what we, what we might call the church of the age to come. All the dynamite of the gospel has yet to blow. We haven't even scratched the surface of what God intends for us. Indeed, right? Consider how slowly the church lurched towards the full inclusion of the Gentiles, even in the Bible, even in the book of Acts, or how long it took Christians to become advocates for the complete abolition of slavery. And sometimes, sometimes it seems that the church is the last one to catch on when it comes to the to. The, the work of the Holy Spirit to bring about the liberation and equality of women. Gay Christians, gay and lesbian Christians, for so long, and, and still continue to, to exist under the cloud of shame, secrecy, and condemnation. And yes, shamefully, sadly, the church is far too often on the wrong side of what the Spirit is doing for racial reconciliation. White Christians like myself, right, we need to listen to the dreams, the vision, to the prophecy of our black brothers and sisters. Before we we criticize and lecture them on how they should respond to oppression and abuse. We need to allow the Spirit to convict us for our deeply embedded prejudices and blindnesses. Don't immediately assume that we, we see more clearly or know better. Look, there will always be those who take advantage of chaos. But let's not allow looters and rioters, anarchists, to distract us from the difficult truth. Let's not allow the sins of others to keep us from seeing our own sins, even our unconscious and systemic sins. Brothers and sisters, it has not yet appeared what we shall be. But when Christ appears, we shall be like Him. When He appears, we will be one new humanity in Him. We sometimes think that the church is quite old, right, and, and in its last stages. But the, the priest, the, the theologian and the architect of the, the Russian revival during the days of the Soviet Union, Alexander Men, he had a different perspective. He used to repeat that Christianity is in its infancy. Christianity is in its infancy. When it comes to the radical new social order, the new humanity proclaimed at Pentecost, we're just barely learning to crawl. 
And we have a lot of growing to do. That new world foreseen by the prophet Joel is it's it's not a matter of historical progress. And progress is not horizontal or inevitable. No, in, in fact, this world is sadly as likely to move backwards as forwards. No, the transformation and the unity of the human race will only come from above, from God. It comes only with the descent of the Spirit. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.